Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Review again, and uh, thanks for that opening. And looking forward to many more from the Hodenbaz and the Herzogs. And uh, so that was a great, great uh, introduction there. Thank you for that. So we just want to uh, continue our um, our little sort of mini series here on spiritual gifts. Um, if you can go to the uh, podcast and listen to Jamie Martin's message on last week given on spiritual gifts. Great, fantastic introduction to all these things. And we know we're, we're not in a position to exhaust this topic, really. Um, but we just want to bring that uh, to our attention um, as a church and uh, and to see what the Lord has for us as, from teaching on the, the spiritual gifts and uh, see if we might learn something from that. So we just pray that really the Holy Spirit would would work among us and um, uh, just uh, invite us to seeing what what God has given you as a Christian to be able to use uh, for his glory in the church. And um, we'll just uh, ask for the Lord's blessing now. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We just pray, Lord, that you would help us to reflect on what your word says about this and, and our role uh, in the body. And uh, we thank you that uh, you have saved us. You have brought us to a church. You have brought us to a body. You have, you've made us part of the body of Christ. We thank you for that. We just pray that you would teach us what that means and help us to live in purpose uh, towards you and towards each other, Lord. We pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, we'll read a passage of scripture in a few minutes here, but I just wanted to go over just a definition here in spiritual gifts. I'll just see here if we can get this thing going again. So I, uh, I was almost a, a year ago this uh, uh, this Sunday uh, that I spoke on spiritual gifts. And uh, I, I know that uh, uh, you have retained all that information <laughs> in your mind. And you know what I'm going to say? Pro probably not. But um, I, uh, I reorganized the slideshow. So if you have it at home, uh, it's going to be slightly different today, uh, based upon what Jamie was uh, saying last week, um, and re and forgive the repetitive uh, uh, qualities to the to the presentation today too. But I just like to start off with a definition on on spiritual gifts. So um, if you're new here today and and you're coming in and and you're, and you're not a Christian, um, the message may not apply so much to you. Um, to be to be someone who is functioning in the church, well, you have to be part of the church, uh, and and that's coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior at that moment in time. Uh, you know, knowingly or not by yourself, He gives you a gift, and uh, you may not know what that is, uh, but He gives you something in order that you might be able to function in the local church. Um, you know, Christ came and he, he gave himself for our sins. He, he gave himself for me, but he gave himself for the church as well. And Christ also loved the church. And he wants to see the church as, a, as an organized body working and function one with the other uh, and based on, on the involvement of each of us. And he'll give us uh, gifts, whether they be uh, public or not, uh, each one has has a special role to play. And if you're a new Christian here today, that might be a new concept for you, but it is in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit has blessed the church with specific abilities that are expressed as gifts to and through believers. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry 
of the church. And I use that reference there, systematic theology by Grudem, just to explain this in a very simple way. Um, when people think about this stuff, they often get a little uh, overwhelmed maybe about what, what these are, a special anointing from on high or whatever. But, but really, it's something that, that Christ gives you uh, the, the moment that you're saved, and he's going to work with you to try and develop that in you. Uh, the Bible says, neglect not the gift that is in you. And that's speaking to every single believer. Uh, so uh, you have a job um, to do as you, as you, as you are, attend the church. You are also supposed to function in the church as well. And that's vital. That's vital. Uh, you know, we couldn't say to the heart that you don't see, we have no need of the heart. But every part of the church is absolutely indispensable. Each person representing yourself uh, is, is absolutely vital to what God wants to do in and through us in the body of believers. And so um, you might be a little bit further on in your Christian life, and it's still been a struggle to you. Uh, so I'm going to just go over uh, what the Bible says are specific gifts. Uh, and uh, we'll start off with that today. And um, these gifts, uh, some may understand them as I list them here today. And I, and I don't like lists, um, but I, I do like lists sometimes. I know that I, I have apologies in advance for you to look at the lists. I like lists. I, I function by lists. But sometimes the hearers of the lists are kind of maybe put to sleep by the list. But I think that sometimes we need to mention the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. There are five different passages that mention specific gifts in the Bible. And I don't know if they're exhaustive, but nonetheless, I will share them with you. And we'll go over them a little bit just briefly. Because as we do this, part of the experience of realizing what resonates with you most as a Christian is like, well, that you might see a gift explained. You might say, "Hey, that that sounds like me," and uh, it's not just a natural ability either. I know people that excel at administrative tasks. Uh, tasks. I, I it may or may not be a spiritual gift. Uh, any natural talent or acquired skill that we have is from God ultimately, and has been molded by our life experiences and work experiences. However, if it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's just a natural ability. Um, all Christians have spiritual gifts, and uh, this may be a discovery, discovery of something completely new. As you come into Christianity for the first time, this may be a new teaching for you, and, and, and you may be empowered that the Holy Spirit is telling you uh, what to do, and the Holy Spirit is just really God living within us, and that's what happens when we become a Christian. It's not a mysterious force that's out there. It's a person that comes to live within you and wants to mold something in you to be uh, uh, functional in the church. Or there might be a natural ability that has a completely different motive to use, right? Our natural talents are used for God and, and under a different motive. We have one motive for work. We got to put food on the table. We got to get a paycheck. But when it becomes that natural ability and the gift of the church, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and becomes a gift then to, uh, to the church. So, um, as I mentioned, we have five different passages that you might want to just write down uh, for where we find this list of gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, uh, and then, then Ephesians 4. We're going to read from Ephesians 4. It's going to be our main text for this morning, uh, Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. So, if you're, if you're new here today or new to the Christian faith, you'll see these uh, listed um, lists of gifts in these sec different passages 
And, um, and, and some of them may be hard to understand, and some of them may not all be applicable for today. We don't, we're not going to elaborate on that, but, but most of them are. I have 16 here that I want to go over. And well, again, here's the list. So I apologize in advance if I'm putting you to sleep with this, but um, I like lists, like I say. And if I, if I don't really uh, resonate with something that I'm reading, it doesn't stick with me. I, I can't say, oh, I identify with that. So if you're new here this morning, may, you may identify uh, with some of these things, or even if you're older, like I say, as a Christian. So the first one is administration. So, so you may have a gift of administration. That means, you know, your skills in planning, organization, supervision. Just remember, you might be very skilled at this at work, but it's a different thing when you take it into the context of the church. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to do this and, and giving you direction to do this and energy and strength to do this. The next one might be discernment, recognizing truth, correctly evaluating behavior or teaching from God uh, or another source. So evaluating this sort of whether it's true or false and, and what to take and what to, to, to leave go. And discernment is a big thing, too, as, 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 as we, we might have that gift. We know that some people are more gifted for evangelism. Yeah, all of us should be able to lead someone to Christ. But some have a special ability or a hunger to do that and communicate the gospel to others. And they take it up almost full time um, in, their, in their lives as a vocation. Um, exhortation, just encouragement, support to someone to be all God wants them to be. And then we have faith. Well, we know that uh, we all have faith, the Christian faith. We believe in Christ, but some have a great confidence in this power and the promises of God so that they stand strong no matter what. We know of people who are, despite the odds, they're standing strong in their faith and for their church, no matter the circumstances. Well, you might have one of giving, being particularly willing and able to share resources with pleasure and without looking for reimbursement. We have healing. What does that mean? As I read it in the Bible, in the privacy of my home, well, it's capability to restore others uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Helps. You might have the gift of helps to support, assist members of the church so that they can be free to minister to others hospitality, ability to make people feel welcome in one's own home, even though they're strangers, uh, for the purpose of discipling or serving them. And we have knowledge. Uh, this person here would actively pursue the knowledge of the Bible in a very systemic, systematic sorry, way. Um, bear with me here. Just the one last list here. Leadership. Well, this could be a person who can stand before a church, direct the body with care. And attention and to motivate them towards achieving church's goals. You might be someone who shows great mercy. Well, that's a great sensitivity towards those that are suffering. Uh, prophecy, speaking a message from God to others, being able to really uh, know what God wants to say and, um, and saying that to others. Serving might be your gift. Well, don't we all serve? Yeah, but some people are particularly suited for this as the Holy Spirit works with them, identifying the tasks that need to be done and then coming up and then completing it in the end to get the job done. Teaching. We have uh, teaching from the Bible. It's communicated effectively for the spiritual growth of others. Then wisdom. Being able to sort through facts and data to discover what needs to be done for the church. And, and we all know people, if we're uh, Christians for quite a while, we all know people that maybe uh, fit into some of these different gifts of the church. And, and really, it was given by the Holy Spirit, given by Christ himself, rather, 
and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point in time, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read a few verses from Ephesians 4. And we'll read the first 16 verses here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? That he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who sended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by every part by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, I'd just like to uh, go over that um, from the start again. Um, what is the calling that Paul is referring to here? Um, as uh, I read the first four verses of this chapter, or so I always took it to mean uh, something that was uh, sort of speaking to me as an individual Christian. And it, it can be taken that way, I guess. But um, in the context of the chapter, I think that it refers to a corporate behavior. How are we behaving in the church as an individual? So there's a link there, right? Um, look at the references in verse two, with one another. Uh, verse four, there's one body. Body means it's many parts working together as one. So there's a corporate application there. Verse six, it says, in you all. So uh, Paul, when he's speaking here to the people at Ephesus, he is taking the whole church into mind. And um, he's asking them to, to walk worthy of the calling. This may be your individual calling as a Christian, but maybe there's a connection corporately. How am I walking in the body? Am I walking worthy in this way in relation to the body? How am I walking corporately as I function as a Christian? Uh, we just don't attend church. We function in the church as Christians. And how are we walking then in the church? Do we have, as we exist among one another, all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Um, again, it's a corporate application, I believe, here. 
So uh, we're not trying to keep the unity of the spirit in our own individual lives. We're trying to keep the unity of the spirit among several believers at once. And, and um, I just uh, sometimes would, uh, this is no uh, specific criticism against anyone in particular, um, but I just uh, think that um, as Christians, there's, there's, especially in the, in the, in the, I guess the younger generation, sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, I got to find my church and, and that's, I get it. I get it. There's many varieties of churches out there and you go find the one that's suitable for you, but, but make sure that you're trying to walk worthy corporately in responsibility to what the Lord says in that church, as far as the gift that God has given you. And, uh, I think I would always say, no matter where you go, make sure you're trying to do this as well. Make sure you're trying to walk worthy. Use the gift that God has given you and contribute to that church. And uh, I, I think that maybe there's there's a lot of uh, uh, church uh, pursuing, uh, finding, uh, call it church hopping. I don't know what it is, but you can't, you know, Use the gifts that you have if you're if you're going all over the place looking for a suitable church. Eventually, you got to land on one, and and you got to look at this context here. Are we walking worthy corporately in relation to that church? A church worthy walk. So, as the verse says there, but each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And uh, so to each Christian, there's grace given to us to enable us to walk worthy in the church. And then the next verse there is uh, taken from Psalm uh, 68. It says, when he ascended, when Christ ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He conquered over the things. I know that language is a little difficult to understand sometimes. It's only taken me about uh, 54 years to understand it. But uh, he conquered over the things that held us in captivity, so that captivity itself is taken captive. So in relation to the gift giving, uh, the Lord brings us in by the Holy Spirit, brings us into this Psalm 68, and there was a battle that happened. And Psalm 68, verse 1, it says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. At the end of the, sorry, halfway through, it says, your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. He is bringing the, the, the individuals of the church to this time when God uh, dealt with the enemies that were his. And Christ Jesus, he, he dealt with his enemies too. He dealt with the enemy of death. He dealt with the enemy of sin. And uh, Paul is bringing the Christians back to this time where he won the victory for them. And um, he led the captivity, that thing that kept you in chains. He's, he's bringing that into captivity, and he's freeing us. So you get the idea of battling an enemy of freedom. And it's on this ground that we're receiving a gift at this point in time. And, and, and I know that uh, there might be still, that might be still going on in each of our lives, where we're thinking, okay, there is still a fight for me. There is still a battle for me to learn the gift and to experience it or to develop it. And I don't know what it is and all this stuff, but Christ has, has won the victory for this. We need to continue to commit it to him and uh, realize that the gifts are coming on the ground of redemption, on the ground of victory, and they're coming to us. And let's, let's uh, experience success in terms of knowing what the gift is, praying what the gift is, and using it for the glory of God in a corporate manner.
Um, does it matter who gave us the gift? I think it certainly does. It says that Christ gave, right? He was the giver. And when did he give it? When did he give the, the gifts? Well, when he was on his way up, he had descended, it says, into the lower parts of the earth. Um, and he, he gave his, his life for us uh, as a result of the sin that he took upon himself. He, he died and was buried and he rose again in victor to demonstrate that he took care of all the sin and he provided the holiness that we can now walk into and claim as our own when we come to Christ. But not only that, at that point in time, the ascension of the Lord Jesus, uh, he was going to, to, to where his home was eternally. Psalm 24 would speak about the, the gates of heaven. They'd be opened up and the, the framework that would lie there, certain dimensions would be blown apart. And Christ uh, rose and he left the earth and went back to his father to, to sit at his right hand. And um, it was then on his way up, when he ascended on high, Christ gave gifts unto men. At the most significant time of his glorification, he is still reaching out and giving, giving, giving. And uh, the, the references, we don't have time to turn to it, but uh, Christ gave himself for her sins, right? And then it says, Christ gave himself for me. What a time when we come personally and recognize that he is reaching out to us and he gave himself for me, but also he gave himself for the church. And at this time, he's ascending. He's already said it is finished. Um, you know, I'm done. I've done it well. You know, just by doing that, he's finished the work that his father gave him to do. But now he's ascending. And it should be all about him. But he makes it all about us. He makes it all about his church. So I ask, does it matter who gave you the gift? Does it matter when he gave you the gift? When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. So he took away the battleground of us trying to figure all this out. And, 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 and what's, what's acting as a barrier, he took that away. And uh, he gave us gifts unto men. He gave us the gifts at that point in his ascension. So he's cleared the way for us. And he's completely extending his hand again in mercy and giving us something that we can use for his purpose and for his church. So I would say that with us, um, another point of scripture here too is in uh, Timothy. And it says, do not neglect then the gift that is in you. Every single Christian has a gift from Christ. You don't have to go to a special school to get it. Now, nothing wrong with Bible school or anything else like that. It may be that that, that teaches you that. There's a lot of things. I mean, Christ has placed it in you. It's just a matter of pulling it out sometimes. And that can be done in a variety of ways. But don't think you have to be a Christian for so many years. Finally, exercise your gift. Let no man, it says, despise your youth even. Even age isn't a factor. And then also, too, that gift that you have could grow stale if you don't use it. So I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you or fan into flame that fire that's barely going. And you fan it into a, a bright, brilliant ember. And... um 
And may you experience that uh, in, in your gifts as God might have to light the fire again in us. So then as we take this gift, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We want to be good stewards of the gifts that we're given, right? Now, this is a favorite picture of mine. I, um, I work in the military. I'm not of the military, but I work in the military. And this is a USS Theodore Roosevelt. Now, this is U.S. I think Canada had one aircraft carrier in the past. and I think it lasted too long. Uh, we just don't have the money or the capabilities to maintain these massive beasts. Four and a half billion dollars for this in 2007, carrying about 90 aircraft, more than 1,000 feet long, 5,000 sailors, up to 500 crew members uh, with various jobs and responsibilities to keep this ship on the water and to keep it functioning as it should. And I was part of a, a little sort of talk one time, not part of it, I was listening to it, and uh, one of the colonels had had been impressed with, even in the military, a Canadian military, they don't have much of a chance to step on these beasts. So when he went there, he was just massively impressed with how it worked. And um, imagine some of the, the size of these things. So an aircraft carrier will just act as a home to be able to enable missions to be carried out. Uh, you have this very simple. You have the aircraft landing, aircraft maintenance, and you have the aircraft taking off. Three things. And it exists just for that primary reason. And so, in a way, too, we have uh, in the church, the aircraft landing, we have new believers that come to, to know Christ. We have the need for new disciples uh, to be brought along in their growth uh, for in Christ. And we have uh, also just a church to be a safe haven for you to come and to, to worship God and to praise God as you would like. And, and thank God that we have the safety that we do in this, in this land today. I don't take that for granted. We shouldn't take that for granted. Someday it might not be the case. But just to provide a safe um, area that um, the people can function here. And that's what the aircraft, uh, sorry, the, uh, the uh, aircraft carrier does is just provide a place for people to grow in their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So we also have the aircraft, the pilot servicing, um, and the church could be restoring, renewing, correcting, repairing. Reflection on the mission, receiving guidance. I'm sure you can see some of the parallels that are existing here. The aircraft taking off. It just means, you know, you're enabling service. Uh, you're experiencing God more corporately. And you're experiencing stability in the church. They all have to get along corporately, if you will, on the aircraft carrier. There is not one job that can be let go. Everyone has to do their share. And um, that brings me to... The next verse that we'll look at, it says here, the Christ is the head from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every, every joint supplies, according to the effect of working uh, by which every part does its share, causes growth. So it's only as every part does its share that there's growth in, in the body. And... Um, we have, this is what impressed me the most too, and impressed this uh, colonel that, that I was listening to, is that each person had a different uh, shirt on, uh, descriptive of their job that they were to do on the aircraft carrier. So as you see them there, there are many different colors represented. And so that, that you know, in a, in, a, in a significant job where you're trying to land this jet and have it take off with no one else hurt, 
Um, you have all these people that you, you got to be able to look and see, okay, who, who does this or that role? And you could tell easily by the colors. And I was just kind of impressed by that. They're just not all in one uniform. They're in separate colors to make this all happen. And so every part, every part is doing their share um, in the church. And there's a little uh, chart there too, just to show you basically, maybe you know all this, but uh, there is no one less valuable than, than the other. Um, you cannot say to anyone that there's not a purpose for you. All are learning, all are active in, in learning their skill, staying within their boundaries and contributing to the whole. And um, uh, the today's Daily Bread, if you read that, if you do read that, uh, we talked about the body and uh, how we function in the body. And it talked about lower deck people. So if you've ever been on a cruise or a ship before, um, usually... I mean, the people who run the engines and the furnace room and all the uh, uh, septic and all that stuff are down in the lower parts of the deck. Um, and then the other people are up, up higher, and it talks about the mercy ships that go around and provide free health care. And um, on the top of the ship have the doc nurses, doctors, and all the other healthcare people doing the actual work. But unless there was someone down in the lower decks, uh, you know, cleaning things out, making sure the engine ran, the, the job would go nowhere, right? So... You might be a lower deck person. Well, you're extremely valuable to, to the church and extremely valuable to the ships in that the context of the daily bread today. And uh, it's no different today if you're a lower deck person in, in, in the, the church. Um, you're extremely, extremely uh, beneficial to the church. In fact, uh, you know, you can't see my heart right now, but man, if, of course, if I didn't have a heart, I wouldn't be around. So, I mean, some of the things that are hidden and done quietly. Uh, are given the greater honor, aren't they? That's what the Lord says in his word. He says, some of those things that you don't recognize too much are given the greater honor. And, and that's how God works. Um, it's not the upfront that gets some roles uh, that are most important. And so everyone does their share. Um, in uh, Judges chapter one, uh, this, was a, this is kind of intriguing in some ways. I say that kind of... Uh, softly in, in a way because as i tell the story you'll realize why i'm a physiotherapist by trade and i know what the big toes and the thumbs can do right well there was a guy in judges chapter one that cut them off people right well why did he do that without your thumb you can't oppose you can't grip things you become unemployable that's what my old anatomy professor used to say you can't do anything without a thumb well walking takes about as you toe off you're about 75 percent on your big toe as you toe off amazingly enough, this one king who he knew what to do, cut off what means the most to that person. And it's just a small thumb and it's just a small big toe, but it's significant in terms of the functioning of people as we live life. No part uh, can say that, well, I have no need of you. Uh, every part is absolutely important. And um, it says of the 70 kings uh, that uh, he... He, he cut the toes, the big toes and the finger, uh, thumbs off. Uh, they used to gather scraps from underneath the table. So what happened there, Judah had done the same thing to him. Well, if you're going to do that to 70 kings, I'm going to do the same to you. And he then had that existence as well. But just a, just a little example, really, of how the anatomy is worked together. And God uses this analogy here of the church as a body. Why? Because we all have to get along. We all have to function together. And each part makes a difference. Each part as it function causes growth, causes growth. And so where is that growth? 
Well, as we read in context here, it's in love. It's in love. As we're functioning in our gifts, in the end, it's love that does it. And last week, we heard from Jamie speaking from 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Really, that's in the corporate context that that's presented as. And it's, of course, usually used for marriage. That's the, the famous passage on marriage, 1 Corinthians 13. But it's really that type of love that is demonstrated here that is so vital to the building up of the corporate body in verse 16, edifying of itself in love, building one another up in love, in lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with another, with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, really working hard for that. The second thing is, well, we're built up in Christ. I, I don't know of any other... Uh, well, I shouldn't say this absolutely, but I, I think that's, I mean, I don't know any other reason to come to church. I mean, really, uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not being built up in Christ, into his stature, into his knowledge of who he is, and being able to experience that in my life as it hits the tarmac of life and reality of life, and we grow up, as the, as the, as the verse says here in 13, into him, then I, I don't know, sometimes I wonder, well, What's the use of coming to church? I don't know. We, we should be all, the body should be working together to promote Christ in each of us, that we might come to that fullness of stature, to the character of Christ, in the experiential, experiential knowledge of him, to completeness, to be that, is it perfect? It says perfect in my translation, but it's maturity that we're looking at, to become that, that mature Christian person. And it's causing growth in that area um, to be um, in Christ. To be a mature Christian, you know what? It doesn't mean that you never sin, but it does mean you always go to him for forgiveness and for strength and for power to, to get beyond that. That's what it means, really. To know that you should go to the Bible again and again and again, and you do that. And that's carrying you along um, to, to be in that stature and that perfect a mature Christian. It doesn't mean, you know, you live faultless in your life, but it means that you know the source of your strength is Christ, and and uh, and He fuels you. And if you always go to Him, you know, if we go to Him in salvation, but the Bible does indicate too that we always have to go to Him. And if we're going to Him, we become mature that way as we always depend on him and go to him. Also, too, it causes growth in the faith. And this is uh, can be understood. I mean, this is uh, corporately as well, I think, in verse 13. We have the idea of defending the faith, of rooting ourselves in the faith that we hold most dear to us. I think the fundamental things in the faith we hold dear to. I know that there's other things maybe that we, 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 we don't uh, agree on sometimes, but the fundamental aspects of the faith corporately we grow and we defend and we root ourselves in it and we promote it as well and i think that's what happens as we all exist together in the body well sir we also have a, a, a sort of an effect on each other as well we stimulate each other we we stir each other up we enable each other that's what it says in verse 12 there that uh, we might be functioning here to enable other christians to function elsewhere 
and uh, the, the body has that uh, component to it as well. And in verse 14, we have stability for the church. We have stability for the church. So the, 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 we're, we're not rocked to and fro. We're not um, pulled this way or that way. But as we grow into him and into each other in love surrounding that, we become strong in the faith. And uh, we have stability then that we have uh, as we encounter a very hostile world around us looking to uh, interrupt what we presently joy enjoy as a church so um, and then our our last slide here today is here's the spiritual gifts okay it's been presented to us each and every christian no matter how young you are in the faith no matter how old you are in the faith has been given a gift first corinthians 14 12 says this since you are so eager to have the special abilities the spirit gives seek those that will strengthen the whole church. I'd like to just kindly um, just say that, you know, if you're listening uh, to this on a podcast or you're here at the church today, I'd like to just say that if you're a Christian, you have a gift. Seek a church that you enjoy. It won't, none of them will be perfect. But realize that Christ on his ascension has given you a gift. He's paved the way for victory to use that gift. So use it to strengthen the whole church. Uh, don't go there looking, okay, what, what's in it for me? Take what you've been given from Christ and use it for the benefit of the whole. And that, the, that Christ, no matter how young you are, he might use you to strengthen the whole church. That's all I have today on spiritual gifts. And uh, we get off early today. So we'll just uh, pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord in heaven, we just thank you for this time that we've been able to just um, contemplate your word. We just would like you to impress upon us by your Holy Spirit what our responsibilities are as, as Christians. You, you, you have personally and selectively, it says in our text today that he himself gave some prophets and apostles and pastor teachers, and he himself gave a gift to us. And as Christians today, we pray we would look towards that body that you have loved and find our way in it. And Lord, by your grace and mercy, may that be a discovery process that will go through and, and sense your empowerment along the way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.